We're going to be reading Romans 12, verses 1 through 2 in just a few minutes. This morning we talked about stirring one another up by way of remembrance. And in our lesson we mentioned several things that we need to be reminded of, I believe, on a daily basis. And one of the points that we, point, that we made during that lesson had to do with spiritual growth. Spiritual transformation. Spiritual growth is something that all of us should consider. You can start with the Great Commission where Jesus said, Go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Matthew's account, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, for the remission of our sins. But you, as you consider the Great Commission, the Great Commission is twofold. That, that is only one aspect of the Great Commission. Uh, the second aspect of the Great Commission has to do with our subject tonight, spiritual growth, spiritual transformation. Jesus said after a person is baptized, He said you continue to teach them. You continue to edify them. You continue to teach them from the Word of God which should bring about spiritual growth. There are several passages that you probably know by heart uh, concerning spiritual growth. In 1 Peter 2 verse 2, as newborn babes, we are to desire the sincere milk of God's Word that we may grow thereby. In 2 Peter 3, verse 18, Peter continues to talk about that spiritual growth when he speaks about growing in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so after a person is baptized into Christ, in Romans 6, verse number 4, they are to walk in newness of life. And again, that has to do with spiritual transformation. And spiritual transformation needs to be obvious to all. It needs to be obvious, first of all, to ourselves, but others need to see that spiritual progress. The Apostle Paul is encouraging young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 12 through 16, to transform. He encourages him to be an example in different, different areas of life, in purity and faith. He encourages him to continue in reading into exhortation and to doctrine. And then he says probably around verse number 15 that your spiritual progress may be obvious to all. Spiritual progress, spiritual transformation, spiritual growth. God wants us to grow. We hurt ourselves spiritually speaking when we fail to go excuse me, fail to grow. And we see here in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is encouraging that spiritual transformation by saying this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that again. That you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love looking at words like transformation. You see that word in the text and when you consider the the etymology of that word which simply means the background, what the word means, looking at that word in its original context, it's a very interesting word. Transformation. When you look at this Greek word, we get our English word metamorphosis from this Greek word transformation. Now, you can probably remember when you were a young person sitting in science class and the teacher talking to you about metamorphosis and then describing that caterpillar and how that caterpillar transforms into a beautiful butterfly. You look at that, that, that caterpillar. It's not the, the most prettiest thing. But as it goes through that, that process of metamorphosis, it's transformed into a beautiful butterfly. I don't know if you've ever taken time to, to look at a, a, a butterfly. To me, it's one of the, the most amazing things to, to see all of the different colors and just how beautiful that butterfly is. I, I, I've seen some butterflies and, and you're looking at them and, and you're looking at the color and it looks like somebody just painted that butterfly. The colors that, that, that come out. I believe there's a reason why the Holy Spirit chose this word. Because God is helping us understand that we should be His beautiful people. We should be, spiritually speaking, like that butterfly. Now, there is a a, a process to, to spiritual transformation. And if you would, you can turn over. You can hold your place there. We'll be coming back referencing Romans chapter 12. But by Romans 12 verse 2, by the word transformation, uh, I would write down my favorite context. Now what is that? Colossians chapter 1. I've looked at this context with you so many different times. And as I study God's word, I keep coming back to this, this process. Uh, and as you're looking at Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 and 10, uh, this is Paul's prayer for the brethren at Colossae. And Paul's prayer for the brethren at Philippi, Philippians 1, verse number 9, is essentially the same thing. This is what Paul prayed for. And as you go and look at Paul's prayer, he prayed that, that first of all, that they would be filled with, with knowledge. Uh, that knowledge comes from the Word of God, the, the body of truth that is contained in the Scriptures. We've already pointed out God wants us to grow in knowledge, a knowledge of His Word. But it's not just, just knowing God's Word. It's not just being able to, 
to quote God's Word. I've never seen this, uh, but I've read about atheists who can quote the whole Bible. Uh, they have, have studied the Bible to, to such a, a degree that they can quote so much of it. Well, you know that, that they learned God's Word to the, to, uh, they learned to quote God's Word, uh, not to share God's Word, not to save souls, uh, but to speak against it. And it's just amazing that somebody would have that kind of talent and, and waste it on trying to disprove uh, the Scriptures. But just being able to quote God's Word isn't going to do anything for you. But as you think about this idea of transformation, what we're reading here in Colossians 1 verse number 9 is spiritual metamorphosis. Spiritual transformation that begins with knowledge. You're going to be that beautiful butterfly. You, you have to first gain knowledge. But then Paul goes on to say, he prayed that they would be filled with knowledge and that they would take that, that knowledge and that they would treat it with, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. You, you, you take what you learn and, and you see how it applies to yourself. What is God saying? What is God saying to me? And so we, we, we take that knowledge and we do something with it. We see how it applies to ourself. And then Paul says, after you take God's Word and you treat it with wisdom and, and spiritual understanding, you know what God's Word is saying to you. Verse 10, you walk. You walk, he says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, the word walk is speaking of action or application of what we're studying, of what we are learning from the Scripture. This, 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 this transformation, spiritual metamorphosis takes place only when we make application. This is why James would say in James 1, verse number 22, be doers of the Word and not simply hearers. Uh, don't just hear the Word of God. Make application. Be a doer of God's Word. And God says you'll be blessed in that way. And so Paul says, I want you to be filled with knowledge. I want you to take that knowledge. I want you to treat it with wisdom, spiritual understanding. I want you to make application. And then you'll see the concept of bearing fruit unto God. We bring forth that product of right living. Jesus said, Here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. And when we're bearing fruit, Paul says in verse 10, full circle, we're increasing in the knowledge. But remember what we pointed out in previous studies about this word knowledge. In verse 9, Paul is speaking about an intellectual knowledge. Verse 10, he's speaking about an intimate knowledge that comes through spiritual transformation that brings us closer to God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where the process begins. In the mind. Filling the mind, the heart with knowledge and living it out. 
As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, verse number 7. If you're going to live soberly, righteously, and godly, you have to think soberly, righteously, and godly. You have to know what God's Word says and then live it out. Spiritual transformation. There's a process to spiritual transformation. So you make that connection there, Romans 12, 2, with Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Well, let me ask this question as we continue to discuss the subject of transformation. What is the goal of transformation? Well, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the Apostle John would say, He that said that he abideth in him ought to walk even as he walketh. And the word walk, another word, to live. Uh, if you say that, that you abide in Jesus, or if you're following Jesus, be sure you live like Jesus. Just don't say you're following Jesus. Just don't say that Jesus is abiding in you. You walk. You live in Him. That is the goal of transformation. To be more like Christ. To live like Christ. In Galatians chapter 4, as Paul worked with the brethren at Galatia, he worked at the brethren at Galatia, uh, Galatia, Philippi, Colossae. But in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 19, I want to read this passage because of the terminology uh, that we find in this passage. But listen to what Paul says in Galatians 4, verse number 19. My little children, a term of endearment. Paul really cared about their spiritual progress. He really cared about their their spiritual transformation. Paul, what is the goal of spiritual transformation? Read with me Galatians 4 verse 19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again. Now listen to it. Here's the goal. Until Christ be formed in you. That's the goal of spiritual metamorphosis spiritual transformation Christ be formed in you I want you to circle the word birth that's what fascinates me about uh, this passage uh, not to, to scare Catherine, but when I think about birth, uh, I, I see pain. <laughs> I hear pain <laughs> I've been there, right? Uh, but that's the idea Paul was experiencing these spiritual birth pains. What he was wanting more than anything is for these brethren to be like Christ. Now you study the book of Galatians, you'll see what I'm talking about. It pained Paul because these brethren were drifting away from Christ. In fact, you remember in the book of Galatians, he's going to say, you have fallen from God's grace. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Paul probably felt like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 136. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. And so in a, in a, in a very unique and profound way, Paul was explaining to these brethren how much he cared for them and what his goal was. He wanted them to be more like Christ. That was Paul's goal, to be more like Christ. 
He encouraged others to, to follow His example because He followed Christ's example. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, He says, Be ye followers of Me, even as I am of Christ. Christ's likeness is the goal of transformation. You have 1 John 2 verse 6, where to walk as He walked. You have Galatians 4 verse number 19. But let me give you another passage from the book of Romans. If you would, go back to Romans chapter 8. Here in Romans 12, Paul is talking about spiritual transformation. This would be another cross-reference that, that you could put down by Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Write down Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. I'm actually going to begin at verse number 28, but listen to verse 29. Romans 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed, here's what we're looking at, to the image of His Son. The goal of transformation. To be conformed, Remember, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. To be conformed through spiritual metamorphosis to become, not that butterfly, but to become conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. When people see us, they should see Christ living in us. And again, that was Paul's goal. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. To, to have Christ living in Him. Jesus also taught this in John chapter 8, verse number 31. If you continue in My Word, then are you My disciple. And so, when we talk about spiritual transformation, we see that there's a process to transformation. We pointed that out in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9 and 10. We've also noticed that there is a goal to transformation. The goal of spiritual transformation is to become like Christ. To be conformed to His image. Now let me give you some application and the lesson will be yours tonight. Let me notice some things that we see in Christ. Things that should be seen in us. For example, Christ was humble. We should be humble. And you see His humility in different passages without, without question. You see His humility. But I believe one of the, the greatest contexts on His humility is found in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul talks about Christ emptying Himself of His equality, His rank, His position. You see, when you look at Philippians chapter 2, before Christ came to this earth, He was equal in rank with the Father. It really is mind-boggling to think in those terms about the Word and the Father. And how we break it down in our own minds. But when you look at Philippians chapter 2, 
at one time, Christ was equal with the Father. But you see His humility in giving up that equality. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying because some in the religious world believe that he emptied himself of his divinity. He didn't empty himself of his divinity. He emptied himself of his equality. And there's a huge difference. And what I mean by that is when Christ was here on earth, He was the God-man. He was 100% God, 100% man. And so He didn't give up His his divinity. He gave up His position, which would take humility on His part. But then you continue to read Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8, and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself. He lowered Himself. If we're going to live a Christ-like life, if our lives are going to be spiritually transformed into the image of Christ, if Christ is going to be formed in us, if we're going to walk as He walked, then we must, like Christ, humble ourselves. Look at what the Apostle Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, (coughs) Peter in verse number 5 encourages us, and I like the way the Holy Spirit reveals this, emphasizing what we're talking about. Verse 5, Peter says, clothe yourself. Uh, Like you would put a, a garment on. To clothe yourself. But notice what we're to clothe ourselves with. Peter says, clothe yourselves with humility. And then in verse number 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. If you're going to live like Christ, you're not going to go around promoting yourself. You're not going to go around being arrogant and prideful. You're going to humble yourself. You realize that that's where it all starts with discipleship? You think about discipleship. Think about the Beatitudes. Because when Jesus gave the Beatitudes, He was teaching people how to be the ideal disciple. And what does it start with? What does discipleship start with? And I believe Jesus expresses it in the very strongest way when He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you look at that word poor and the word that He used, Jesus uses the strongest word to describe a poor person that doesn't have anything, that has to literally get on his knees and to beg for everything. That is us spiritually speaking. That is the disposition that we must have as we go through this life. God warns us about pride. Proverbs 16, verse number 18, pride goes before destruction. Pride will keep you from responding in obedience to God. 
Pride will keep you from putting your name on your sin as we talked about this morning. We need to confess sin, not conceal sin. But pride is what hinders so many people from following Jesus Christ. If we're going to be like Christ, we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Number two, if we're going to to live like Christ, if we're going to, to be spiritually transformed, walk as He walked, conform to His image, we need to learn to forgive one another. Christ was forgiving. If Christ was forgiving, if we follow Him, we should also forgive others. One example that, that comes to my mind is Luke 22, verse number 34. As Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus would cry out, Father, forgive them. I like the attitude. Those individuals that crucified Jesus weren't automatically forgiven. You ever thought about that? When Christ cried out, Father, forgive them. 3,000 were there on the day of Pentecost when they obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they met God's terms of pardon. But brethren... The spirit of forgiveness better be within our heart. In other words, we better not hold grudges against a brother or against a sister when that brother or that sister asks for forgiveness like God, we should forgive them. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 32, Paul says, Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then you have the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18 that came to his Lord and asked his Lord to be compassionate, to be forgiven, and his Lord forgave him. And after he was forgiven, he went out and was unmerciful to others. And Jesus is going to make the application at the end of Matthew chapter 18. If we don't forgive others, God isn't going to forgive us. You realize that that is one point that Jesus made when teaching His disciples how to pray. Father, forgive us as we forget our debtors. No, it's something that, that we must put into practice if we're going to be like Christ. How dare us and God have mercy on your soul if you don't forgive Others. If we're going to be like Christ, another Christ-like characteristic is zeal. One of the things that, that we see in Christ was His zeal to do His Father's will. And even at a very young age, in Luke 2 verse 49, I must be, I must be about my Father's business. In John chapter 9, verse number 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me. In John 19, verse 30, because of His zeal, Jesus would cry out on the cross, It is finished. We need that zeal. The kind of, of zeal that we see in the Apostle Paul who followed Christ. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And you see that zeal throughout the book of Acts and throughout Paul's epistles. Paul was thinking souls. Paul preached the gospel wherever he went. It was that zeal that motivated him to be the man of God 
that he was. When you read the book of Titus, Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 3, notice how many times Paul will use that word zeal. We're to be zealous unto good works. Christ was zealous. We need to be zealous. We need to show some zeal, some enthusiasm, like Jesus who evangelized. Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for for this is the reason I came. He made that point over and over and over again. We talked about His death. Now we're talking about His zeal to teach. As Brother Johnny Ramsey said, Jesus was born to die, but He lived to preach because of that zeal that He had. Like the book, like Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, Jeremiah had the Word of God burning in his bones. And we have the Word of God burning in our bones. We're going to be zealous unto good works. Jesus was also prayerful. Another Christ-like characteristic that needs to define us as followers of Christ. That, That must be obvious in our spiritual transformation. If you don't have a fervent prayer life, there's something wrong with your spiritual transformation uh, that change that is taking place isn't take is, is not taking place if you have no prayer life the affectional fervent prayer of a righteous person James 5 verse 16 that's what righteous people do they pray to God they don't worry about everything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving they bring their request before the throne of God. And what a privilege we have to be like Christ in this area. Listen to Mark 1, verse number 35. Rising up a great while before the day, He departed into a solitary place, and there He prayed. Do you have that kind of place? I know we do a lot of praying in our public assembly, and rightfully so. But do you have that solitary place? That private place where you can pray to God where you can come before the throne of God to ask God to help you to cry to God to plead to God we all should have that place like Jesus sometimes Jesus went to the mountains but Jesus even talks about going into your closet again that idea of Having a place. It might be in your car. It might be in your closet. It might be while you're you're walking outside or even driving the tractor. Let me encourage you to develop a prayer life. And when you learn to talk to God and communicate to God, and God communicates to, uh, to you through His Word, a beautiful thing is going to happen. Just like that caterpillar that changes into a beautiful butterfly, that will be your life. Christ was compassionate. We should be compassionate. I remember one instructor saying, you choose a memory verse uh, for this quarter, and that will be the verse that you get to choose. I choose John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. That was an easy one to remember. Uh, 
But he knew that already because he said you can't choose John 11 verse 35. But it is a great verse because it shows Jesus' humanity. Remember what we said. He he emptied His equality, but not His divinity. He was 100% God. And you see those God-like characteristics in His life while on earth, but you also see His humanity. And that's why Jesus wept. Jesus wept because Jesus was compassionate. Jesus would see people as, as sheep having no shepherd. And it was His compassion that moved Him to be the person that He was. And it's compassion that should move us as we carry out the Lord's work. Think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. You have the priest, you have the Levite, religious people, but then you have the Good Samaritan. And when you read Luke chapter 10, parable of the Good Samaritan, you know what Jesus highlighted about the Good Samaritan? You know what made Him different? Jesus said He had compassion. I hope we have that same kind of compassion like Jesus. And we must be compassionate if we're going to be like Christ. Jesus was submissive. If we're going to be like Christ, we need to be submissive in all things. And then finally, as we bring our lesson to a close tonight, Jesus Christ was one who served. If we're going to be like Christ, we must learn to serve. We see in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. In Luke 20, verse 28, Jesus would cry out, or excuse me, verse 27, I'm among you as He that serveth. And how did He demonstrate service? I believe He demonstrated servitude in the most powerful way when He got down on His knees and washed His disciples' feet. Greatest act of service. And His apostles were arguing at times about who would be the greatest. When He got down on His knees and washed His feet, Jesus was teaching them that in my kingdom, you don't need a title. You need a towel. You need to learn to serve one another. And then Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13, Paul talks about our liberty. And he says, don't use liberty as an occasion of the flesh. Just because you've been set free from your sins, don't think that you can do whatever you want to do. He goes on to say in verse number 13, but by love... Serve one another. And when you learn to serve one another, look at the story of Mary and Martha. When you learn to serve one another and to prioritize spiritually speaking, you will find yourself becoming more and more like Christ. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
May God help us to be more like Christ. Tonight we have noticed several things about spiritual transformation. We've noticed how it takes place. We've also noticed the goal. And then we noticed what it looks like. We highlighted some characteristics. And I hope you will go home and think about some more ways to be like Christ. Tonight, if we can help you, we want you to know that heaven's invitation is open to those who need the Lord's help. If you need to respond, won't you do 